This is the How Design Live podcast, hosted by programming partner Elise Bennett, national speaker, author of seven business books for creative professionals, and founder of marketing-mentor.com. Listen to her lively conversations with past and future How Design Live speakers about the business of creativity and creativity in business. Here's Elise Bennett. What is a leader? Is it someone who tells you what to do? Is it the adult in the room? Is it the one who inspires the team? And how will designers become leaders if they're not trained? That's the topic we tackled in this episode of the How Design Live podcast with Gamer Gutierrez. He's the VP and creative director at Staples. And his session this year in Chicago at How Design Live is on this topic. It's called Doer to Leader, the Crazy, Sexy, Untold Truth. Gamer speaks from experience. He has championed brand innovation and design thinking across a very diverse range of brands and products in healthcare, wellness, beauty, and edibles. He's worked with CVS Health, Estee Lauder, Companies, Gillette, Gap, Old Spice, Dolce & Gabbana, and Valentino. Plus, he has provided creative vision for celebrities such as Tommy Hilfiger, Salma Hayek, and Andre Agassi on creating their namesake beauty brands. So he has a lot to share. Listen, and then come hear more at How Design Live. That's May 7th through 10th in Chicago. You can find details at howdesignlive.com. I hope to see you there. Hello, gamer. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's nice to be here, to be talking to you. Thank you. Please introduce yourself. Oh, well, my name is Gamer Gutierrez, and I'm currently Vice President Creative Director at Staples, Inc. And and I've been in the industry for close to 20 years, working in mostly in-house agencies and and some in agencies earlier on my career. I've experienced a lot of the the challenges of navigating the business community as a creative and um, understanding that very critical step from being that designer or writer or the doer into being a leader and what that means. Well, that's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about because we are talking today because you are speaking at How Design Live in May in Chicago. And one of your sessions is called Doer to Leader, the Crazy, Sexy, Untold Truth, a very provocative title. So tell us all about it. And actually, would you start, if you don't mind, with what the heck is a leader? I always wonder, what is a leader? Gosh, that's a great question because <laughs> I've been asking myself that for like a couple decades now. Mm. And I think it means a lot of different things to people. I personally have researched and read lots of books on leadership. And it, it's some, some say that it's, it's the person who leads from the front or leads from behind or inspires the team to do what they do. There's so many different interpretations. And I, and I can only go with my own personal experience where, you know, as a designer, I went to design school. I was the designer and I did well. I got promoted. You designed more, but then all of a sudden I found myself managing 10 to 20 people after being promoted 
And all of a sudden, I'm managing all these people. And I, was, I still had the mindset of being a designer, wanting to be a designer. And I end up wanting to be so specific in kind of, I wanted to sit down and design it for them. And it was very confusing for me because I, was, I still wanted to be the designer, yet I had to lead this group of people. And after some time, I, I realized that it's not, I had to really take that step from being wanting to be the guy who designed it to being the person who's actually inspiring the team to create something great. And so d- does that mean that you're telling people what to do or n- deliberately not telling people what to do? Well, I think it's a balance. And I know, and for me, it's been, that's always been a challenge, right, in my, in my career, where what's the balance between wanting to tell exactly and be very tactical, especially with design, being tactical and telling them exactly how to design it versus being much more inspiring and allowing them to sort it out for themselves. And it's a very, it's not a very easy process because I know what I want, but then I also I want to allow them to, to do it in their own way. So it's, it's a very challenging balance. And sometimes I think about a leader or leadership as being the adult in the room. And you were talking about accountability, and that always makes me think about blame, the opposite, right? Or one opposite of accountability where people just really want to pass the buck or not take responsibility or say, oh, no, I had nothing to do with that. That was her fault. And so as the leader, it seems to me, you have to always be the one that says, okay, what part did I play in this and how could I have prevented it from happening? Or what do we need to do differently next time to make sure it never happens again? I mean, is that part of how you lead? Yeah. So I think, I think when, when, I, when I think about the statement, so um, I've been thinking about this a lot. And one of the statements that comes to mind is taking accountability for being the cause and make it happen. So I want to break that down a little bit because because taking accountability is not necessarily so it's the balance between me sitting back and everybody allowing everybody to do it but taking being accountable with the success of the team. So my success is the team's success and the team's success is my success. So taking accountability is still being part of the solution or driving the solution and then being the cause in a way I see my job is creating an environment so that designers can do great work. And that's the big difference where going from designer, I'm the designer who's actually designing it. But then as a leader of that team now, I'm creating an environment where those designers have the freedom and the flexibility and in the environment for them to do the best work they can. I don't work in a metropolitan area. So like, like if you work in Chicago or New York or even within Boston, you're often inspired just by walking down the street. But one of the things I do is I bring speakers in. I bring, I bring inspiration to the office and they come and talk to the team or create an environment so that there's space for people to collaborate or brainstorm or send them to conferences like how so that they can get out of the office and, and, and be inspired by other colleagues. So I think um, there's a couple different ways that I do that. Or there have been times where I'll take the team out to 
uh, in Providence's small city, and there's a there are some art events. Well, I'll take them all together. We'll all go to the art event just to get out of the get out of the office and be inspired. So I think a lot of it is inspiration and space to do the work, um, and also allowing them to do the work they can do. You know, one thing you said before was that you went to design school and it sounds like you were implying that they didn't teach you how to be a manager or a leader in design school. And I'm curious then, what would you, looking back now, have wanted to learn or have wanted them to teach you that would have prepared you for this from the business point of view? Oh, that's a great question because you know, when you go, when I when I went to art design school, I was trained to be in touch with my design abilities and trained to be a creative and think creatively. And then you do that, you get you graduate, and then you get a job in a in a in a corporation or an agency, and you're just designing away. But then you get you do well, you get promoted, and all of a sudden you move further and further away from the actual design work and the actual work that had you do this in the first place. So one of the things, as I look back, I wish somebody told me that, well, eventually you're going to need to figure out how to do budgets and you're going to need to write colleague reviews, annual reviews for your colleagues and your team, or or you're going to have to navigate politics or this idea of managing expectations, those kind of things that you never learn in in design school. And, and I find that a lot of designers, they, they go through that time of being designers and then they're just dropped into this corporate environment and they just have to figure it out. Say more about managing expectations. I'm curious about that. So managing expectations is about managing what your audience, uh, that your audience could be your, your boss or your colleagues and what they could expect about the results that you deliver. So what does that mean? So let's say we have a project and they're expecting a million different variations of a particular initiative, but actually you're going to show two. (laughs) So managing expectations is making sure before you present that you're going to show two and not 20 and make sure that you both understand that that's what you're going to deliver and making sure everybody's on the same page and everybody understands what you're actually going to show them. So that's a small, small example. But it sounds like in order to do that, you have to be able to speak up and know what you're talking about and speak with authority and not be afraid to say, this is how we do it. This is our process in the design department, right? Even if it's the boss or the president of the company or the CEO or something like that, this is what you're going to get. We think two options is better than a million. Exactly. And that's our, that's being able to articulate that to, to your audience and being, and being able to sell that before you even have the presentation. Because sometimes, sometimes they may think they may be expecting 20 different variations of something and you give two and then you're fighting over the 20. Well, how come it's not 20? And and the two variations could be the perfect answer to the problem, but you're arguing over how many variations you actually delivered. So I think it's part of it is communication and language too, and making sure that you do speak up and and articulate that. I think I think that's a going from designer to a leader. Those are skills that that take a while to to nurture and to perfect. 
And I've heard this word intrapreneur lately, and I'm curious if you are familiar with this idea of intrapreneurship within corporations and if you see it in the organizations you've been in. Yeah. So to me, intrapreneur is being, well, it's kind of being an entrepreneur within your organization mm-hmm. and not necessarily an entrepreneur like starting a company, but the, the entrepreneur is being innovative and thinking out of the box within your own company. And, and I think that's, it's a, that's a great attitude to have as you, because I'll, I think a lot of times companies are, they go through process and of doing the same things over and over again. And, and the team is gets used to doing the same thing over and again. And when a new idea comes in, everybody kind of shies away from that because, oh, we've never done that before. But this entrepreneurship kind of is able to see that we can do it differently and, and really ask different questions about, is, it, is there another way to do it? Is there a better way? Can we think out of the box? Can we ask different types of questions and solve solutions differently? And it would seem to me designers, especially, and creative professionals in general, are in the perfect position to be these kind of change agents or provocateurs if they, what, have the courage or take the risk? Is it risky? Will it get you fired to speak this way or to think this way or to push in this way? No, I think, I think it's important for designers to, to if, if designers have a, want a seat at the table, those designers will have to speak up. And I, and I think that's a very personal thing to be able to articulate your ideas and speak up. Um, for me as a designer in my own career earlier on, I was a bit of a wallflower and I didn't want to speak up. And I had to learn to start to articulate my ideas in, in, in simple terms, especially, and not also not be intimidated by senior leaders who, who I may think know better than me, but then I think designers have to find it in them to speak up and say what they think. And if there are designers listening who were the young gamer and a little intimidated and not speaking up, what is a first step that you would recommend they take in that direction? I, you know, what I, when I coach, so I, I coach students and I also coach colleagues at work and. And I and I and I've seen people who who come to me and have with these great ideas, but don't they, they don't speak up. And one of the things I would say to to designers who are listening is do a little self reflection and and understand when is it when what kind of situations do you sort of clam up? Like when do you do you get is do you clam up when you're nervous or do you clam up when you're you feel intimidated? Just as a start understand when you are afraid to speak up and just be aware of that because if you kind of be aware in a certain situation or circumstance that you feel like you, you can't express yourself then you can then then you know when it happens and you can remind yourself okay now you got to speak up and i think part of it is awareness that's the start and then when you're aware of that circumstance or for example i i was working with uh, i was coaching someone and she said that big groups, big meetings, she can't say anything. And I told her, well, next time you're in a big meeting with like lots of people, know that you're going to walk in and you're probably not going to want to speak up. So you already walk into that with that idea. So when you do have an idea in that situation, you got to remind yourself like, okay, I got to speak up and you kind of force yourself. It starts with awareness. 
And what about the mode of communication? I wonder if someone is reluctant to literally speak up in a meeting, whether big or small, if writing something is a a step in the right direction to articulate and then share it with someone or share it in advance of a meeting or something like that, just to begin getting the ideas out of oneself. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great practice to have, especially if you're walking into a presentation and writing down your ideas or writing down why you think this idea is a good idea. I think it, it's very helpful to write down bullet by bullet why you think it is because it gets you, it gets it out of your head. Because as designers, we, we assume that people know exactly what we mean, but when you write it down, you can actually evaluate it yourself and see what makes sense. And you can, for me, I, I do that to just organize my thoughts and not necessarily try to sound smart or sound a, a particular way, but it just helps me organize what I want to say. Now, we're going to have to wrap up soon, but I do want to briefly address the other session that you're giving as part of How Marketing Live. It's called, Are We Just Apples and Oranges? How Creative and Marketing Can Stop Fighting and Combine Their Unique Gifts. And you're co-presenting with Rebecca Sears. So just give us a little taste of what that is all about. Well, um, it's always been a little bit of I don't want to say friction, maybe some in some organizations that's friction between marketing and creative. It's like one of the great, the great relationships within a, within an organization, but you know, creatives and marketing. So, so when Rebecca and I began working on this, you know, for me as a designer, I go in thinking about being the designer and, and being the hero and being the, the guy who designed this thing. And then you mix, mix it up with people who have an MBA and, who have went to management school and understand PL, you put those two people together and there's totally, they're two speaking, the, the both of them are speaking different languages. And I think that creates a lot of miscommunication and a lot of tension. And when Rebecca and I were kind of talking through this and preparing for this, we find a lot of it is communication and, and using the same terminology and words and also mutual respect. Because you know, you get into this dynamic where, you know, the marketing person says, oh, how come those creatives are so sensitive? And then the, the creative says, they don't just, they just don't get what we do. Right. And that just, that's just an ongoing communication. But it, I really, it really comes, it stems from a lack of um, common communication or common terminology in a way. So it sounds kind of like we're back where we started, where if you had learned in design school how to communicate about business or on business topics, then it might be easier to talk to the marketing people. Absolutely, because I think it starts with vocabulary and it starts with communication and choice of words. Uh, I also find that sometimes, sometimes creatives will go into an organization and everybody speaks a different language. And we, as a designer, we have to kind of learn the vocabulary of business to make our case about our ideas and, and be able to articulate those ideas so that the audience can really understand them. Excellent. All right. Well, Gamer, we don't want to give too much away here. We want people to come to How Design Live to hear your, your talks. And um, so tell people where they can find you online in the meantime. Sure. You can uh, find me on LinkedIn uh, under my name, Gamer Gutierrez, G-A-E-M-E-R, last name Gutierrez, G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z. -E -R -R -E 
E-Z. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Gamer. And I will see you in Chicago. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 